This episode of All My Friends Are In Bar Bands was recorded on the land of the Gadigal Wongal people of the Eora Nation. We pay our respects to elders past and present, and we acknowledge that sovereignty was never ceded, and this always was, always will be, Aboriginal land. Enjoy the episode. Hello friends, David James Young here, back for another week of All My Friends Own Bar Bands. Thank you so much for checking this out. Really, really appreciate you dropping in. I hope things are good with you. Hope you and your friends and your family and your loved ones are all being looked after and you're looking after one another and that you are still out there uh, supporting, protesting, donating, helping out worthy causes whenever and wherever you can. As I always say, every little bit helps, and yeah, it is so, so great to see in a time like this. We're back in the Barbands archives, clearing out a bunch of old episodes before we get into the new stuff that will be coming. We are headed all the way back to November 2019 right now as we speak to Obscura Hail. Obscura Hail is originally the solo project of singer, songwriter, and multi-instrumentalist Sean Conran, but uh, has gone on to have a few different iterations and lineups and kind of collectives uh, supporting it over the years. At the time of recording this, Obscura Hail was a trio including Tamara, the bass player, and Stevie, the drummer. Uh, Stevie has since left the band, but... Obscure Hail continues on as a duo of Sean and Tamara. Back in November, they were putting out their latest EP entitled Zero and doing a national tour in support of it. And I caught up with the band while they were in Sydney. They were playing a show that night. I caught them on that tour in Wollongong and it was absolutely wonderful to see. Now, we do get into this during the podcast, but uh, apart from possibly previous guests of the show, Jack R. Riley, this is probably the person that I have the most history with in the history of the podcast. So, as you've probably picked up, there's a very wide spectrum of people that I talk to here on Bar Bands, and that can range from people that I've known for a couple of months, a couple of years, maybe we've never actually met, I've just seen them play. Fast friends, old friends, new friends, they're all my friends, and all my friends are in bar bands. But Sean, we go back some 15-odd years now, and it is nothing short of surreal to think that little Sean Conran, that funny, weird, heartfelt kid that I met all those years ago, is still making such wonderful music to this very, very day, and sharing it with his biggest platform yet. He has a great following now across the country as a beloved indie artist, and honestly, it does my heart proud. So getting to talk to Sean about all of that, our collective upbringing, growing up in Nara, us going our separate ways, and eventually finding our way back to one another, of course... And also finding out the stories of Tamara and Stevie. So Tamara I had known for about a year or two. 
and Stevie I had never met before at all. So I had a very, very interesting experience uh, kind of running the gamut between these three people and finding some interconnectivity, finding some stories, and really just bonding over a love of music that has taken us all over the country. It's a it's a really, really special thing. I want to give a big thank you to Charlie Ellison at Remote Control Records for setting this one up. I want to thank the Oxford Hotel in Sydney for having us. And of course, I want to thank Sean and Tamara and Stevie for their time. Massively, massively appreciated. Really, really hope that you guys enjoy this one. If you are charmed by them in interview format, I can assure you, you will be equally, if not more charmed by their music. Check out the EP Zero. Check out all the stuff of theirs across Spotify, Bandcamp, and a bunch of unreleased stuff that is exclusive to Patreon. You can head over to patreon.com slash obscurahail to find out more about accessing the huge, huge archives of Obscura Hail. I highly recommend it. There's some absolute gems in there. Sean is such a creative force. So is Tamara. Stevie's an incredible drummer and a great guy as well. So it was really cool to get to chat to everyone here. And I really hope you enjoy this week's episode. Before we get out of here, just a quick reminder that we are able to keep doing All My Friends Are In Bar Bands through all of this thanks to your support. If you like what you hear, it would mean the absolute world if you could leave a rating and a review wherever you get your podcasts from. Don't forget to subscribe as well. Of course, that helps. Tell a friend if you see any guests that we've had on this podcast that someone you know might be a fan of and want to know more about, please send them over our way. And of course, if you are in a position to do so, please consider supporting me and this podcast over on Patreon. For as little as $1 a month, you get access to early release episodes, bonus content, exclusive features, playlists, and a bunch of other bits and bobs. And you are helping to support independent Australian music content. And it is so, so appreciated. If that sounds of interest to you, then please head on over to patreon.com slash David James Young to find out more. P-A-T-R-E-O-N dot com slash David James Young. In the meantime, if you'd like to get in touch, barbandspod at gmail.com is the place to hit up. Would absolutely love to hear from you if you are interested in being on the podcast, if you are interested in uh, advertising on the podcast, if you have any thoughts, complaints, anything. I always love hearing from you, so please get in touch, barbandspod at gmail.com. You can also follow me over on Facebook and Instagram. David James Young writes on Facebook and DJY writes on Instagram. And you can also hit up all my friends on barbands.com for a full archive and more information on the podcast itself. All right, I think that's just about it. Let's cross over now all the way back to November 2019, chatting to Sean, Tamara, and Stevie, a.k.a. Obscura Hail. I drew a picture of the flora and the fauna. The scene was blue, it made the news, he was an author. I 
And all my friends are bar bands today. I would like to introduce you to my friends, Obscura Hale. Hello. Hello. Hey, what's up? What's up? Please introduce yourselves. Uh, my name is Sean. I am Tamara. And I am Stevie. It is Friday afternoon. We are in Sydney. We are at the Oxford in Darlinghurst. And Obscura Hale are here on a part of a national tour in support of their latest EP. Mmm, zero. Zero. Yes, this is the first time you guys have done it with this lineup. Is that right? Is, yeah, yeah. First, well, we we did play. Actually, no, we had Jackson in the band with Steve uh, not that long oh, ago. Right. And yeah, we, we were playing kind of similar stuff, but it wasn't as developed as it is now, and it's it's kind of nicer trying to work out his parts and and like finding the 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 core of each song and, and representing it live. With yeah, just what we've got here, and, and I think we do it pretty well. Perfect. Yeah. Okay. Sean, we have a little little bit of history. We've got some history. Oh, maybe, oh, what, 15 years? Yeah. (laughs) So not not, not heaps. Nothing crazy, but I'd say say a little bit there. Yeah, no, not like uh, on a universal scale, but like definitely on a human life scale. (laughs) We we know each other, for sure. Very much so. Take us back to those days. What do you you remember about uh, when we met for the first time? Well, I remember you were going to... Was it St. John's? That's right. St. John's. I was going to Narra Anglican College. Mm-hmm. I had started a band, Vinyl Irony. Yes, indeed. We, we were playing some shows. That's with Toby Carter and Lachlan James. And mm-hmm. still keep, I still keep in contact with them. They're still really good good guys to, to hang out with. Yeah. How, what, what was the first time we went? Because was it around like was it a, around a show? Was it to we do with Leyland? We would have played a show at the Youth Center, I reckon. Yeah, yeah. I think it was the Youth Center. And yeah, like it would have just kind of all come together through that. And then like we both changed over into solo things and we did a bunch of stuff together through that. Yeah. So I recorded yeah. your first EP as My well. My very first EP, that's right. Mm-hmm. Crazy days. Actually, we, we must have played at the Youth Center quite a bunch because you we've got a recording of you with us, Vinyl Irony. Oh, yeah, that's right. That we, we, covered, we covered Ballroom Blitz together. Yeah, yeah, that's up on SoundCloud still. What? Oh, my God. I didn't even know you still had that. Yeah, keep oh. it alive. Be careful what you say around Sean. Oh, yeah. He's, everything's he's a vault. He's got, he's got it all locked in there in the archives. And everything's always recorded. Uh-huh. <laughs> yeah. Everything is he's very prolific at any point. There's been times where we've been jamming and he's like, oh, yeah, I've been recording for the past four hours. You're like, what? Every conversation. <laughs> well, if I, tell you, if I tell anybody, then it's likely to change what they do. I don't want to change what people do. I just want to You're show them what they did. You just to break their trust. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Does it change what you do, though, if you know that you're being recorded? If I'm being recorded? Well, yes, because you are recording everything. So you know it's being recorded. Does it change your behavior? Well, it's the, the perfect scenario is if I know it's being recorded or if I don't know if it's being recorded or not, but not if I know it's not being recorded. Because then at that point, I'm, it's, it's not that enjoyable. Fuck. I'd rather it be recorded or me not know whether or not it is or isn't. It's recordings all the way down. Like, we're, we are deep now. <laughs> so, yeah, eventually you move to Melbourne and then mm-hmm. you come back up a few times. And on one of those instances, you introduced me to this lovely lady right here. Yeah, Tamara. 
Yeah. How did you get involved? Well, I guess it started like Sean and I had been living together for a year and a half or something. Mm -hmm. In that time, we just started sort of jamming together, like slowly, and then it kind of accelerated into a lot. Yeah, we were both out of relationships. That's when it really like sped up. We both found ourselves single at the same time. And then I came home one night and Sean was riding Crow's Feet. And then he's like, hey, Tam, do you want to like help out on this song? And I was like, yeah, let me listen to it. And it spoke to me so deeply because I had just broken up with somebody, as had he. And so we sort of finished it off together. And, and then he was like, do you want to play in my band? And I was like, oh, what do you want me to play? And he's like, bass. And I was like, wow, oh, yeah. You know I don't play bass, right? You know that. And he's like, yeah, you do now. And so then I learnt Crow's Feet, which was, yeah, the first song that I learnt on bass. And then we've just been powering, yeah, ever since. It's been amazing. It's the best. That's beautiful. Yeah. We had, like, a big sound invitation as well. We got invited to come up and play by one of the people who had taken the the, uh, submissions. So we knew that we were getting in. And so Jackson came on board as well. He he saw that my... I wrote a post being like, hey, can I get somebody else to help me out with guitar parts and stuff? And so he was in the band for... A while, and then that overlapped with Steve coming into the band too, and yeah. we were a four-piece for a while, and now you're three-piece. Like yeah. I was going to say, this is our first time meeting. I'm brother Gamut here from someone I've known for 15 years, someone I've known for a couple of years, and person I'm literally meeting for the first time today. New blood, yeah. New so, blood, yeah. How do, how do you how do you factor into this whole thing? Gosh, I used to live around the corner from tomorrow, right? And yeah, we had like. An overlapping friendship circle. I was playing in a band. We'd spend a lot of time at this particular house. Just became really tight with Tam. Ended up meeting Sean through Tam by going to a house party. Crazy timing. I'd like finished up playing with another band and Sean and I jammed like over the years. Actually, I remember when Tam got her first bass, which Sean bought. For my birthday. Yeah, for your birthday. Yeah, one of our first jams was just like, do you want to hang out and jam? Tam's got like a new bass. And I was like, fuck yeah. And believe it or not, like two years later, yeah, these two called me up just after Christmas and they were like, yo, do you want to play some drums? And I was like, it was really surprising actually because I was just kind of like, I always loved Sean's music and, but yeah, I always kind of had like a healthy respect for it. You know, I knew that he was just like kind of like, carving his own little path and seeing him play with the DS and things like that I was just like that's cool like yeah it was a real surprise to be invited into that because I was just kind of like it wasn't expected or anything like that you know like yeah so now it's just like old friends with some fun history playing music together yeah that's amazing nice one Okay, so I begin these by tracing back the initial interest in music, specifically where it changed from being something that you were maybe watching on TV, listening to on the radio, etc., to switching over to being something where it was like, this is what I want to do, I want to sing, I want to play an instrument, I want to be in a band, I want to be a musician in some way, shape, or form. Sean, we'll start with you. Can you tell me how music kind of factored into your upbringing and your childhood, and yeah, if there was any kind of moment where you're just like, I want to do this now? I think I, like the earliest thing that I remember is my parents listening to a lot of the Carpenters and the Cranberries and yeah. James Taylor and yeah those those things definitely soaked in without me realizing or chasing it after like I, I would hear it and enjoy it but not seek it later when it wasn't on 
Yeah. So maybe just because it was always around. But when I started playing video games, that changed. My my attention uh, in video games heightened, and I, all of a sudden, I was it was way more about like I want to replay a level just because I love the soundtrack. Uh, there was this game Roll Cage. Did you, did you ever play Roll Cage? No, I can't say I did. This futuristic racing game with cars flip upside down, and it and it had like Fat Boy Slim on it, Trent Reznor as well. I think maybe on the second one, a lot of that soaked in just in that way, and. And I wanted to recreate that kind of stuff as well. So, uh, like on my Game Boy as well, I played the Game Boy Camera, and they had really nice little scenic areas that weren't really to do with anything. It was just more like you know they were just like you could go through the sound library for a particular game. I just like listening to that uh, late at night and falling asleep to it. So it must have like soaked in properly. Yeah. Nice, yeah. Tam, what about you? Well, honestly, growing up. Well, even when I was as young as, like, four, I was like, I'm going to be a singer. I'm going to be yeah. a singer. Like, I always wanted to sing, and I always did. And my dad's a musician, and he plays Arabic music, like, Arabic guitar, and he sings. So I guess it was just in my blood. But I don't know. I didn't really pick up any instruments until much later on in life. Like, I wasn't. it wasn't until I was 18, and I got a guitar. I never let go of the dream of, like, wanting to be a singer, but I just didn't really get to that path until like later on in life yeah I just started like well I started busking and music was always like a thing that I love and I knew I was going to do it forever but I was never like I'm going to be a professional singer I actually started doing stand-up comedy for like six years yeah right so that's what I was like pushing for and then yeah I don't know it just I honestly don't know it just like I fell into it like I don't know I don't know how I'm here I don't know how I got here Sean trusted me Sean saw something you had some cool moves. You were, you know, you were singing all the time around the house, and I, I got to hear it. And so I, I knew that you had that. You've seen me like here. perform a bunch and yeah. stuff. Like, yeah. So it's it's really funny to me because, like, I've even got diaries where it's like, don't give up. Like, you know, you're gonna make it. And then, yeah, it's kind of surreal. I'm so lucky. Yeah. Yeah. It's That's awesome. So beautiful. Thanks. All right, Steve. What about you? I grew up being forced going to church. Oh, yeah. The one thing that caught me was the drums. And I know we had this really old school jazz drummer at this church, this cult-like church that I was forced to go to. Uh But I was always like, shit, I wish I could just like beat the hell out of some drums sometime. But we came up in a really like poor family. Eventually my mom, like, I know she kind of saw it in me, I guess, like being so transfixed with drums. I was always tapping on everything and just being really fucking annoying. But my mum was like, you should get drum lessons. And uh, got me drum lessons from a year from this really cool guy, Lee, who got me onto like Smashing Pumpkins and Nirvana and all that good stuff. And eventually I had a drum kit given to me, which I like beat to absolute hell. Of course. But I was just hooked ever since. I know I just couldn't, I could never shake it. And I just, you know, that's all I wanted to do. I've been in and out of a lot of bands over the years. Yeah. Some really fun and some really, really awful. <laughs> but here we are. That's true. That's living, true. living my best life with Sean in town. Fuck yeah. Sean, were you born now? I was born in Mulligan. Oh, you were born in Wollongong? Yeah. And then you moved to Nara? Yeah, I moved to Nara when I was in year nine. At the beginning of year nine, was there for, you know, up until uni. First year of uni, I was there. That's a weird one, because normally people from Nara move to Wollongong, so it's yeah. weird to have that, like, flipped. My parents had this dream of 
owning a, a block of land out in the wilderness. So right. Sassafras was the closest, cheapest option. Yeah. Kind of close to civilization, but enough to have your own land. So they have like 100 acres out there, and we were moving closer to it so we could develop it. Yeah. Uh, and that was in 2004. Yeah. No, 2005. We bought it in 2003 and then, yeah, moved down in an hour 2005 so that we could... I could finish the rest of high school, and then the plan was everybody would go down there. But it's still sitting there. They haven't really done that much with it. It's the same kind of place. It's just like a little holiday destination now where you go when you really want time out. But yeah, my parents used to move around a lot, though. When I was with them, we moved 15 times. Holy shit. Yeah, and that was mainly around the Illawarra, and then around Nowra. Yeah, so, right. A lot of times. Yeah, no shit. I can imagine having that amount of snap interconnectivity where it's just like alright well gotta go you know it's just like even even if it is like a couple blocks over or a couple of suburbs over or whatever it's just like that kind of restlessness and there's no real way to kind of connect to like you know like a friendship group or a community or anything yeah, you kind like of have that. to you have yeah. to find a uh, like a fast food way of connecting with an environment yeah so you're sure. like oh I'll take all the specific details and I'll go yeah that's cool I've consumed this area I'll move on to the next yeah yeah or yeah like it, it makes it easier to remember certain things because there were so many different places yeah so many different places different people I met they're they're all unique circumstances that I've never spent like a lot of time with one particular person yeah. in a particular area like doing the same thing over and over so do you feel like when around the time that we met like that would have been the first time that you'd properly latched onto any kind of like quote unquote music community even though we were just kids who had no idea what the fuck we yeah, were doing yeah I think so yeah I mean the, the I had only really seen one band before I moved down to Nowra and that was yeah. self-titled do you remember them oh vaguely yeah self-titled yeah. they were from Wollongong and yeah. they played a show at a high school and, and I was in like a cover band in high school in year eight uh-huh. at Kira High, so we did a we did we supported them in our gym before they played their set. Nice, and that was crazy because the guitarist had like a wireless thing, and he was going all over the gym just like playing music, and, and I was like, holy crap, this oh is the God. coolest thing ever. <laughs> so that that was inspiring. That inspired me to start like a punk band with Toby and, and Lachlan when I moved down. Yeah, yeah. And then be more involved with the scene in Nara too because there were a lot of people who were expressing themselves. Yeah. Not so much in our school. Like there were a few bands, but yeah. outside of school, like, yeah. Yeah. Your, yours in particular. Yeah. And, um, well, there was, um, yeah, so there was Nash, you- there was Nara Tech, there was, yeah. yeah, like a bunch of different high schools around the place where, yeah, like a bunch of shitty bands were coming through. Yeah, so. yours was the attempted explanation though, and then you moved on yeah. to do what? What uh, else? Well, you changed well it, it was co- it was originally called attempted explanation, and then we changed the name to once and always. Once and always. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We ended like pretty much at the same time that I started uni. Like, I think we did our. We both did our combined last shows with our high school bands together. Yeah, uh, at, at the T Club in like 2009, I think it was. Yeah, that's right. That's crazy. <laughs> there was a big gap between Vinyl Irony. And yeah, shows. we reunited just so we could break up. It was yeah. it was so petty, but it was fucking. <laughs> it was like we need to fucking put a full stop on this, and we did. It was yeah, perfect. <laughs> it was nice. It was still pretty fun. It was really yeah. loose. Oh yeah, always. T Club was great. Oh man, that's a good place. times there. Extra greens. You know what you got? Extra greens. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I knew about it, but I never. Asked. <laughs> <laughs> he was too scared. Yeah. All about those extra greens. Extra greens. <laughs> extra, extra green is too That's far. That's word, baby. These long ass drives. <laughs> <laughs> extra green, baby. Woo! Tam, did you grow up in Melbourne? 
Or, I did, yeah. Yeah, right. right. So whereabouts were you specifically? I grew up in Frankston. Oh, Franger. Yeah. Good shit. Which is sort of like Wollongong. Like, in a way, to yeah, be yeah, yeah. It's kinda, um, yeah. Nikki Bruman, uh, previous guest of the show from Pagan, uh, also grew up in, around like the peninsula yeah, area. Yeah, cool. And so, yeah, like it's another one of those things where it's just like you're far out enough from the city that yeah. you know that has its own little isolated community but at the same oh, time yeah. you, you you can still get into the city relatively yeah, for easily sure. and stuff like that Frankston it, it gets a really bad rap of course but the fact that it was so hardcore it made it so cool yeah like there was just I played 28 days really yeah <laughs> <laughs> but it was just like you know every kind of scene there yeah it was rough it was raw it was grungy you could get into a lot of trouble it was awesome yeah, yeah. <laughs> totally. No regrets. Fuck yeah. <laughs> yeah, hell yeah. <laughs> what about you, man? Where did where did you grow up? I grew up in Bendigo. Oh, sure. Yeah, so yeah, North, a- again, another kind of isolated community. North Bendigo, yeah. It was, yeah, and it was like, it was crazy, like, growing up there. And, like, in the 90s, yeah, it was, like, super rough, much like Frankston, you know. Yeah. Like, just super isolated, a lot of, you know, like, you grow up feeling very restless, so you just fuck shit up. Yeah, yeah. It was definitely much cooler back then. I think. I know. I like that wild side of towns. You know, like sure. Everything now is so slick and safe, and <laughs> everyone's wearing high vis. <laughs> <laughs> Prefer those nights where there's that off chance you're going to you know, get like stabbed. Everywhere yeah. now, there's designated smoking areas. Yeah. I don't know. I just see even, even if you don't smoke, it's like it's a nostalgic thing to to have grown up in a place where. They weren't right? as yeah. You walk out and you can't even it? see anyone. The smoke is that fucking. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh god! I like the wild days. side though. You were born in the wrong time. You should have been born in like eighteen hundreds. Eighteen hundreds. Walk out of a fucking saloon. <laughs> Maybe like it's still like you know it's more civilized, but it's got that old saloon style. You could kill a man and not. Well, I just feel wasn't the consequences. Growing up, I just wasn't dumbed down. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like you had to think for yourself mm. you didn't have all this shit being shoved in your face 24-7 you know we didn't have the internet like grew up without a fucking TV like right I know I, and then I you really had to kind of make your own entertainment yeah you yeah. know like I love the idea of going to a record store and I would pick out CDs and tapes like actual cassette tapes yeah yeah based on like the artwork yeah sure more than just like oh what's cool on Spotify right now you know mm. like I just like I miss that. Yeah. I just really do. I mean, fuck nostalgia, but <laughs> there is a time. There is a special sure, place man. in my heart. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, well, let's move on to the first time that you ever played live. Sean, how old were you? Where were you? First time I ever played live, I was four years old. Four. Yeah, I sang. Yeah. I think I was either singing or like playing like Mary had a little lamb on on piano. My my auntie was a piano teacher, so right. It was a recital. So I don't know if that counts, but then after oh, that totally. it was. Do you have a video? There are videos. Yeah, there is. There's a video of me playing that Oscar the Grouch song. Oh, Grouch I love like trash. me. Yeah. Oh, right, Grouch right, yeah. like me. Oh, nice. Okay, I want to see that. that was, <laughs> I want to see that. Too. I think it was about eleven when I did that. Yeah. The first real show was that cover show at high school in year eight. And what do you remember about that? Just that it, the room was really bright and everybody was sitting down like it was assembly. Everyone had their legs crossed. Nobody was really moving around. Uh, I remember we were playing Seven Nation Army. Pretty sure we played American Idiot as well. 
Yeah, that's a that's a sign of the times right yeah, there. It is, yeah, yeah, yeah. Early two thousands. Yeah, that tracks. Yeah. First time I properly played live as Obscura Hail, I remember it was in uh, Marriott Park or like the the mm. right next to the council chambers. Yeah, yeah, underneath yeah. Underneath that hut, that little um, stage area. Yeah. And it was like a little picnic session thing. Yeah, that's just a few what people we did. came. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, you just organize your own shows and yeah, it's just like hey, come hang out, get your mum to drop you in town. Yeah. <laughs> it, was, it was the only way. Yeah, exactly. We had no other way to get there. Hmm. We weren't catching the bus on our own. <laughs> Tam, how old were you when you played live for the first time? Um, I guess singing, I would say. I was... Like, I did school plays and shit. Mm. But I guess the solo thing, singing... I did this singing competition in the local shopping centre. Right. In Karingal. <laughs> at Karingal Hub. And I sang... Um, oh, my God. This is so embarrassing. But I sang Britney Spears... I'm not a girl, not yet, not a, yet woman. a woman. Fuck yes. Which I thought I sang really well, but this other chick won who sang Betty Davis' Eyes. But anyway, I would have been 13 then. Oh, and I was like, I'm going to do it. I think you won like a record deal or something what? ridiculous. No yeah. way. I was like, I'm going to win. And then, nah, I didn't win. And then I did that again like the next year. <laughs> I didn't win again. <laughs> That's nuts. Whatever. What is going on? What is going on, I was like, fuck mainstream competition oh man yeah who needs him I'm an independent artist yeah, baby yeah right <laughs> absolutely yeah Stevie how old were you when you played live for the first time um probably 13 I think right mm. I started playing in this this punk band with everyone in the band were much older than me they were all at university right my old friend Tim Lord shout out got me into heaps of really good punk music he was from Melbourne. He moved to Benigo for university, and we met through some friends. And, and you were 13? Yeah. Child prodigy. <laughs> nah, whatever. <laughs> I know. Back then, it was just about smashing the shit out of whatever I could. <laughs> Things yeah. have changed a lot. <laughs> Simpler times back then. Sure. We'll do a little speed round now of bands and music and anything that you were doing before... Obscura Hail kicked off. So, Sean, obviously, you had the covers band, which then... Covers band, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so, was it just Vinyl Irony after that? Mm-hmm. Yeah. I was in a school play, if that counts, but... Oh, sh- what did you do in the school play? I played Alfred Doolittle in uh, My Fair Lady. I remember that! Yeah, with, yeah. with uh, my uh, Hottest 100s and Thousands co-host, Adam Buncher. Yep, Adam yeah, Buncher. The very same. God, we have uh-huh. <laughs> such a tight in history. Uh-huh. <laughs> uh-huh. Uh-huh. Anyway, with a little bit of luck, with remember a little that? Bit of luck. That's that was that was your that was your song. Yep, yep. With <laughs> a little bit of luck, there it is. You're actually, going. <laughs> with a little bit of luck. Yeah, I'm actually going back to do like a reunion thing on that that whole carousel of my fair lady doing that number again. Yes, at Knack. Yes. At the Entertainment Center in May. Oh, wow. Yeah. Oh, my God. Oh, dude, that'll be huge. <laughs> Got to oh, put yeah, my ticket yeah, enough that. about that, though. <laughs> <laughs> be there. Yeah, what do you remember about, like, making, like, quote-unquote original songs and performing live for the first time? Because, God, we were, we were kids. We were, what, like, 14, 15? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I remember practicing at Toby's place, and I remember them uh, convincing me to... To try out um, this substance uh, on my penis, <laughs> and uh, it being good for 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 the the pleasure, you know, and managed to convince me to try it then and there, you know, find a place to go try it out. They they actually gave me deep heat. I didn't know what deep heat was. 
yeah, these are the main stories that I yeah. So I anyway. It was mostly just pranks. I ran yeah. into yeah, just I got I got pranked a lot. Uh, I ran into ran into the pool. They laughed. We practiced for a bit. I don't know. The practice was really fun. Yeah. We, we played really fast, <laughs> but I think we fun. we like playing yeah. tricks on each other. Yeah. Classic. Them more on me than me on them. Yeah, Minus yeah. Minus yeah. your burning balls. <laughs> Revenge is a dish served cold, Toby and yeah. Lachlan. Yeah. <laughs> it's coming. It's when they least expect it, it's coming. It is. Fucking hell. Tam, yeah, you mentioned you had kind of moved off from, like, playing music for a, a long period. Like, was Obscura the first thing back from all mm, of that? I used to be in a band with these two Japanese guys, and the, the band was called Falf. Mm-hmm. They were, like, primarily buskers but they were sick it was like a live drummer and the other guy on his laptop producing the beats and the guy would drum live to them and I just sort of jumped in I actually walked up to him while they were busking and I was like hey man dudes can I like freestyle and sing to because they were just instrumental and so I did that with them for a bit on the street and we did a few parties and stuff but before that like well, when I was a teenager, do you remember when you would get, like, those CDs from the cereal box? Oh, and you could, yes. like, produce your own music and stuff? Yeah. yeah. so I used to do that. I used to make, like, hip-hop, R&B sort of music and stuff. Yeah, it was, I would just say before Obscure, I was doing heaps of comedy. I was busking. And I used to go to this really iconic, like, jam house over in Brunswick. Yeah. And this old rocker dude, Johnny's got, like, a warehouse around all these other warehouses. And he just, like... Sets up a huge setup and people just go there and just fucking make music or play. So I was doing that for a little bit. I've just kind of been all over the joint. Yeah, totally, totally. Stevie, you mentioned you'd been in a bunch of bands, uh, like growing up and over the years. Like, any particular highlights for you across that run of bands? Was it all just session stuff or was it all just, just kind of hopping in with friends of friends and stuff like that? Lots of bands with friends and uh, I guess in my teen years and early 20s, like, I uh, ran away from real life as much as I could. Yeah. So, like, I've been known to, like, move to cities to uh, join bands and jump on some tours and things like that. The nearest and dearest band to my heart is a band called Pansy that, that I played drums in right. for a short amount of time uh, with my friends Anna from Major Leagues. Oh, sure. And, yeah, yeah, yeah. And Fergus from Board Nothing. Huge and short moment in time for me. Is that in Brizzy? Uh, in Melbourne. Oh, right, right, right. Yeah, because I knew most of the Major Leagues crew were Brizzy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Anna... And I moved down. And, and I was moving down. Married yeah, that's Ferg. Right. But yeah, I guess like after six months, Ferg committed suicide a couple of days after what would be our last show. Yeah. Yeah, so I took a break from music for a while, to be honest. Yeah, understandable, of course. But yeah, that's definitely a highlight for me. Playing music with those people definitely meant a lot to me. Yeah. That's when I met you too. It was like a couple of days after all yeah. that stuff had gone down. Yeah, and um, it was pretty raw. We met, and then we ran into each other a bunch more times after, and just sort of like checked in on that. What had I happened? I remember being, I remember being quite thrown aback the first time I met you, and even hearing your music because I saw a lot of familiarities in your work ethic and your approach to music, just the way Ferg did things. I could see that in your work as well, mm. yeah. and that's what intrigued me. I'm glad that there was. That you knew that part of Ferg, because I used to listen to him beforehand. Yeah, I was listening to Board Nothing and and um, yeah, and then Board only Nothing's just starting dope. to get into Pansy, and then realizing that 
and straight away you were yeah. you were in pansy. It's crazy because bored nothing like everything that Ferg was doing like years ago like so many people cotton on to at such a later time. Yeah. You know, like it's just crazy. Mm. Little time capsule. Absolutely. Yeah. Sure. So let's go through kind of the myriad of incarnations that Obscura Hail itself has had because it literally just started with you and it was you for quite a long period of time. Yeah, yeah, yeah just me. It was it was because I wanted to break away from writing the punk punk music and because the yeah. the nature of the project was that I was writing really late at night and it was driven by a fear of memory loss and so it was a, a way to externalize a lot of things I was thinking and, and move on to the next one straight away so it was moving really quickly and it was difficult to get people on board with that I was, it was just focused on that just by myself because I knew it was a really personal thing but then I, I, I met uh, Declan and Gretel and they, they came on board and they, they sang with me for a while so I had like a little choir for a bit yeah. and how far along was that? oh that would have been like 2015 2014 2015 yeah, yeah 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 I was still doing a solo up until then but I was just it was mainly just a production project yeah so I could write songs fuck you were producing fuck me dead like I think you had like something out every like couple of months god you were like you were like King Giz before it was cool man like you, you but know. imagine imagine trying to coerce that many people what yeah. is it like eight or nine people in King Giz as well yeah just to just to, to, to make that album to get that many people to focus on the one thing that's amazing yeah yeah, yeah. I know that they all like split everything equally and they, they equal share they they all well, everyone's efforts are acknowledged and I really I was a fan of that yeah um, but yeah I'd been doing that just by myself for a while um, knowing like, that yeah, it was with, with all the, with all this kind of new cyclists just like I remember reading it's just like oh this is Obscure Hell's first EP and I'm like the fuck it isn't <laughs> yeah that happens a lot doesn't it yeah yeah I'm just like god this would be like maybe legit maybe like the, the 20th like there was so much stuff it was exhausting and then there's lots of other stuff which is just unreleased or, or I released mainly through Patreon yeah and it's just like a a highlight reel of all the all the experimental stuff that I've done. Yeah, there's lots of you lots had like of a, different You had things. like a three CD like the the discography. The, yeah, like the yeah, there was the discography thing and like a whole rarities thing. We Dead had like, collection. Yeah, there was like four different versions of the same song, and then like shit you just <laughs> made on your DS and yeah. just oh my god, there was so it was it's, it's so it's like exhausting. Not just little sound bites of like unfinished. Shit, like right? it's like proper yeah. composed music. You're on some Brian Wilson shit, buddy. It was lev. fucking crazy. Yeah. yeah, I felt like it was finished when it was done. It was like you don't necessarily have to get it to a specific point for it to be finished. You can just yeah. be, you can just say, oh, that's it, that's enough, and then you don't have to keep working on it. You can do a different version of it, but mm. you know, there's a there's a lot to be said about like something that's captured in a really small amount of time uh, in a particular place that will represent a particular memory for you, especially for me. Yeah. And I don't want to fuck with that. I, I want to move on, and, and maybe I'll shape that memory in a different way, but I still want to preserve what was there originally. So it was more about that, and that's why I kept on recording a lot. And that was why I was hesitant for so long to bring other people into the program. Yeah, I was going to say, like, what did it mean to you to kind of open that up to the point where you're just like, all right, yeah, so Obscure Hell isn't just me anymore. Yeah. Oh, it's, it's like... Because everything still starts in the room. Everything still starts yeah, in the bedroom. And it just expands out now. And then we find new ways to do things. And I'm responding more to the way that the band plays it. And then that inspires me to write music in a different way. But also yeah. write with them. So I've got set up by an oral mic set up. And there's a loop pedal. Everything's connected to my mixer. And that goes into my loop pedal as well. So 
the binaural mics are the main thing that I've bought recently that has made it easy to work with other people because it means yeah. that you can mix in a, in a uh, more intuitively or in a three-dimensional space. Somebody just like sings over here and you're like, oh, sing it over here. And you commit to that. You like solidify that take in the loop mm. or have it recording hard to to my Zoom. And so all, all music that we make together is usually based off that, yeah. that method, that cycle. Yeah, sure. So obviously all three of you would have different first Obscura Hail gig experiences. So, let, you know what, let's go from the most recent... So, Stevie, you would be the most recent edition. So, when and where was the first time you played with these guys? Oh, God. That was uh, Merry Creek Tavern in right. uh, Westgarth. Crazy. It's a think, ways out. I think I rehearsed with you guys, like, two or three times, and it was straight, straight into it. What was it, two or four? Oh, yeah, that was actually a tour... Oh, fuck. That was the first tour at the start of the year. That was like saying goodbye to Paul there. Yeah. With Jackson. That was Jackson's last tour as well. Yeah. Yep. Um, (laughs) Yeah, that's crazy. It it happened pretty quickly. It was insane because, like, even just, like, knowing a lot of Sean's material and going, okay, how do I apply this into a live setting yeah we decided to go out and buy a midi pad for drums and samples and keys and sean just kept on throwing things at me and yeah it's become a totally different animal even like playing the songs from the ep way back then in like february or whatever whenever it was Mm. um yeah everything's developed and changed so much yeah. Uh, yeah, it's it's really fun. Fuck yeah. Tam, yeah. where did you play with Sean well, for the first time? the first time, I think, we actually just sang at a wedding together. Oh, really? <laughs> that was the first time we like sang together. Did you do yeah. the first dance or something? Or? No, it was when they were walking down the aisle. Oh, and what was it? It was on a beat. It was, was actually really beautiful. It was Can't Help Falling in Love, Elvis oh. Presley, which, fun fact, was recorded... On my birthday in 1961. Hot damn. All the way in wherever they were. I think it was in New York or something. Mm. Yeah, so that's pretty fun to know. Yeah. But the first time like we played as the band with like Jackson and when it was just me, Jackson and Sean was at... Was that, a, that wasn't Big Sound. It was at that Crab Shack place. Crab Shack. Oh, yeah. In Melbourne. With Rat Hammock, we were like supporting yeah. Rat Ham. Was it? How'd you get not that? Lala's. <laughs> yeah. It's gone now, isn't it? Yeah, it's gone. No, it doesn't matter. But yeah, and that gig was literally the first time I'd ever played bass live. Wow! And performed no it. No pressure. No pressure. I was shitting myself, oh, but I did it. Well, the first time I played a show with Tam, she was wasted. <laughs> <laughs> Oops. <laughs> Whoopsie doodle. It Killed a, it. It was just a really good first show. We were all in a really good mood and everyone yeah. had like a little bit to drink, I think. I don't everybody, think I've meant got to. Hurt. Everybody danced, I'm sure. <laughs> <laughs> I did not mean to get drunk. Yeah. I look up there just like, oh my God. Yes. I'm oh, drunk. No. <laughs> that was a great show. Yeah. <laughs> all right, Sean, take us all the way back. All the way back yeah. to the very first show. As Obscure Hail. As Obscure Okay, so was that one in the park? Yeah. That was the very first one. I was trying to build up some sort of air around it by taking all these like mysterious photos of my... They were just selfies, but they were like only parts of my face and then parts of my face and then parts of my face. And I was trying to... I didn't know how to promo myself. Like Facebook really wasn't a thing. It was like still MySpace by, by that point. Yeah. And um, I don't know. 
cops uh, went down to the park, told pe- told a few people to come if they wanted to. Maybe about twenty people, and then five or six turned up and and uh, sat there. Were you there? I legitimately don't remember. I don't remember either. <laughs> but I remember there was a picnic blanket. I'm gonna say I was. Just yeah. For the fuck of it. And like there was some moscato there as well or something. Somebody was drinking moscato. Classic. Yeah. But like you know that non-alcoholic stuff. Were your friends just blown away? Well, they had seen me play in Vinyl Irony as well, so... Is that technically... They, yeah, we're talking... It's still talking about your hail though, right? But they'd seen me in then, in then... This was a very different kettle of fish to Vinyl Irony, though. Yeah, yeah. it was. But yeah. they, also people had the first impression from... Because I was recording stuff and giving it out anyway. Yeah, that's so true. way before I was yeah. re- performing it, they, they'd heard what it was. And, and they'd heard me sing it at school as well, just like... Oh, uh, yeah, of course. In the middle of the quad or something, you know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's, that's still, like, the first show. I didn't feel nervous. I remember what I, was, what I was wearing. Combat boots, black jeans, and some sort of hippie peace shirt. That was your uniform for, for a while there. with that trench coat. <laughs> yeah. Through all the transitions, like, from the solo thing into the band and, you know, kind of everything that has changed. Like, you've kind of kept the name of the project through the whole thing. And, like, do you feel like there's a consistency like the, through all the changes there is any kind of degree of consistency with what you've done under this banner like from just to yourself to expanding it out to include other people and stuff like that yeah it's like uh, it was like uh, waiting for uh, sand to turn into glass you know but like over time even though it wasn't glass yet it still felt like the sand was just about getting there like it was starting to heat up mm. So, like, I, could, I couldn't ever change it. I, I did come up with the other ideas, like Leah Aruxbo, which is Obscure Hail Backwards, Halo and the Hollow Strangers. I wanted to change it to Christopher Conran, because Christopher's my middle name. And, I don't know, there were all these different, different ideas going around, but you, you can't really beat something that's unique enough to be searched on Google, even if you spell it wrong. Yeah. So, you know, some people have, like... Uh, like Michael from Tram Cops, I went to search Tram Cops, and, and then it just it doesn't come up with his stuff straight away. It just comes up with like stuff about trams or stuff about cops yeah. or stuff about people who are who cops are cops. Band. Yeah, yeah, you tram cops. Yeah, yeah, nothing, nothing really about that until like the second or third page. Yeah, but yeah. Okay, so we will wrap it up here, but before we do that, access of all of my guests. Now it's your turn. I want to know about the best and worst shows you have ever played. Best and worst shows. Yes, starting with me. Best show playing with these guys. Probably the other night, actually. Like, that field show was really, really fun. Yeah, that was sick. It keeps getting really better. Like, it, it's, it's never like we plateau. Every new show is, is different. Different reception. Worst show would have to be the, the show I did where I, was met, I felt like there was a lot of responsibility for me as a solo performer in Wollongong, yeah. playing at Rat Bar, yeah. uh, supporting this international band. Uh, they came all the way around. I can't even remember their name, but... They come all the way down, and um, and I was like, oh, yeah, I'm going to bring heaps of people. No one turned up. I was on first. I was there with my ex at the time. It was like the, I had a massive panic attack on stage. I was like, it was terrible. I, uh, I felt really bad about not bringing anybody. I felt like people judging me. I felt like uh, my girlfriend at the time was really judging me, and she was. There was this, this point where I could feel the embarrassment from her, especially she was feeling really uncomfortable. She didn't want to be there in the first place. Yeah. I kind of broke down and then stopped halfway through my set. Didn't finish it all the way. 
then they started. Yeah, you just and they were, haste. It's like, yeah, I'm out. Yeah, they they started. Yeah, I've done that. We've definitely experienced each other's kind of like ups and downs. Yeah, for sure. The other band started, and then the guitarist broke his string, and then I don't know why I did it, but I immediately got up and I started changing his string. But he had already grabbed another guitar, and and he was like, "Don't worry about it, don't worry about it." I was like, "I gotta do it, I gotta do it." That that was the worst because like I really it wasn't enough to stop me from doing music, but it it was enough to stop me from performing for a while. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I've, I've had you? those too, yeah. Well, I don't have a worse performance with Obscure Hail because I'm just such, I'm on such a high, like, that's the best shit ever. But yeah. I've definitely got plenty of fucked up bombs in comedy, so. Oh, sure. <laughs> <laughs> oh man. Comedy's rough. Isn't it? Yeah, or it is. Any of those open micers? Yeah. Just, oh, yeah. It's a rough go. It's hard. It's but, um, yeah, I wouldn't say anything with, with music so far in Obscure Hail. It's just been the best uh, fun. That is, that's great. So, so much what, what's been the best of that then for you? I don't know. That's a hard question. The best show with us. I don't know. Maybe something where, like, I don't know. It's really fun playing with Sean when we go to Wollongong because it's like all you guys are there who've just been following him for so long and, like, everyone knows all the words and. Everyone's just like singing, and I love that. And I, I'm so happy to be a part of that. I feel like I've been, you know, inducted into this this whole community that's like been behind Sean for a long time. Yeah, yeah. And that's really cool. Yeah. So I feel really lucky to be a part of that. Yeah, amazing. Yeah, yeah, it's cool. All right. <laughs> there isn't any backlash either. Like, nobody's like, what the hell is Sean doing with all these new people? It's yeah. like people who invite. <laughs> New things because it's already it's always changed. I would yeah. say that I have felt a bit of pressure from it because I'm like, what if like all these guys who've been seeing Sean play for years and then all of a sudden here I am and they're gonna be like, who's this bitch? Like <laughs> oh, she's not doing this justice. Oh, I do though. I get self conscious. I'm like, I just want to do it oh. justice. But on the other flip of that, it's like the it's pretty cool. Yeah. So. yeah and yeah. everyone in that community is so awesome. Yeah. Anyway. Yeah, Stevie. Yeah, I mean, like, as far as uh, best shows go, I mean, I don't really have any in mind, but I must say, like, this year playing with Sean and Tam and this whole journey has just been, like, uh, I mean, yeah, it's just been incredible, really humbling, but also, like, really rewarding just playing music with your, your two best friends who know you better than anyone else and it's great to be a part of something that we all share and yeah you know there's no bullshit there's no judgment like we all make fun of each other but we're also like we all look out for each other mm. i've played too many uh in too many bands where you know there's a lot of conflict and things like that definitely my worst show was one of my old bands we're playing this festival we're playing in, in front of like a thousand people huge communication breakdown like with our singer and Everyone in the band was hating on the singer. We had a massive uh, blowout before we had to go on stage. The rest of the band, no one was communicating or talking or looking at each other. And we all walked off stage like three songs before the set had finished. And our singer finished the set by himself. And it was pretty miserable. Wow. And no one talked on the 12-hour drive home in the van. Fuck that. Yeah, it was fucked. Oh, man. That is crucial. Yeah. Oh, man. And it was all because his girlfriend was there and his side girl was there. Oh, no. And everything was spilling out right before him. Oh, God. That is a a spicy story to end That's what you get for cheating on tour. Yeah, right? (laughs) I will come back to bite you, man. (laughs) Their EP is zero. It is out now. It will be out still by the time that you hear this. Sean. 
Tamara, Stevie, yes. thank you so much for taking the time hey, to speak welcome. to us today. Thank you, thank so, you much. so much for having so us. Nice. You're great to, it's great to chat with so you. So good to Likewise, be such uh, a pleasure. Aw, bless. I'm David James Young, and all my friends are in Barbex. everyone thanks so much for listening to this week's episode just a quick plug at the end here to let you know that i am a guest on the latest edition of the see you in the pit cast which is a very fun hardcore podcast hosted by ryan kirby and huey stunkofer i went on when i was in melbourne a few months ago and we talked about the turnstile album time and space It was a really, really fun one. And, uh, yeah, if you feel like switching your brain off for an hour as we talk dumb shit about hardcore, then definitely check it out. I was also recently a guest on Oblivious Maximus, where I talked to the host Aaron Osborne about my favorite album of the 2010s, The Idler Wheel is Wiser Than the Driving of the Screw and Whipping Cords Will Serve You More Than Ropes Will Ever Do by Fiona Apple. So, if you would also like to switch your brain up for an hour, hearing me gas bag about Fiona Apple, then the avenue is there for you as well. All right, have a great weekend. Take care. Bye.